All right, all right, all right. Let's get fired up here. Maximum freedom. Read. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Actual Anarchy Podcast, the podcast where we talk about movies from a Rothbardian and anarcho-capitalist perspective. Tonight, we're coming down with something, and I think it's called Contagion. That's the movie we're going to be talking about on this 170th episode of the show. Show notes more at actualanarchy.com slash 170. Type it in your URL bar. Uh, sometime after Sunday, should show up. Uh, my co-host is Robert. How you doing, Robert? Let's check in with you. Working man, you've got a job that you got to get to tomorrow morning early. You got to wake up and do, you know, responsible things and whatnot. So we can't be on too long with our guests. We did a bunch of pre-show content already with them. Uh, we will introduce them in a moment. But if people want to see that pre-show stuff for this show, other other future shows, past shows, all that show, all the shows, then where where can they hit us up? I think it's pa- Patreon. Patreon. I don't know how you um, pronounce it. I think it's Patreon. Yeah, actuallyanarchy.com slash Patreon. And uh, you'll be able to send us some dollar dollar bills and we will send you some e- extra bonus content and some virtual hugs, something like that. The, the best kind. <laughs> if you don't want to get sick and get a fever, right? the only or, uh, prescription is, I don't know, a pine box. Or more cowbell. I think that's going to be the solution to the uh, aging problem that we've got going on you here. You think cowbell is going to deal with the corona? No problem. <sighs> Well, or Christopher Walken will just like show up and scare the living crap out of it, and uh, then then everything will be good. But uh, why don't we get into the last night's sports show? Introduce our guests. That's a that's a oh, S- plural. And there's plural. Uh, it's very difficult for me to enunciate because uh, I don't know. I just never learned to speak properly. Um, but let's get into that, shall we? Get all up in it. All right, we'll be right back. Hey everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Johnson. We are the Last Nighters, and we can be found on the Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. Check it out at thelaunchpadmedia.com. The the is super important, almost as important as the episode we're doing tonight on a movie called Contagion, which will be the 113th episode of The Last Nighters. You can find the show on smartlastnighters.com slash 113. We are going to have some special guests, and one of them is Raylene Lightheart, and the other one is, well, the guy lucky enough to marry her. His name is Justin... And uh, he is also a lightheart. Welcome to the show, Lighthearts. How are you guys? Hey, uh, thanks. Ladies first. Jeez. No, no, I get in there. <laughs> That's what got me. I don't have this long. I don't have this long. <laughs> All right, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yes, be assertive. Uh, so, Justin, uh, welcome to the show. This is your first appearance. This is Raylene's, what, third, maybe fourth. You were Karate Kid. You were When Harry Met Sally. I think that was it, right? Yeah, and then we just hung out before for, uh, like, on with you hung out with us on our show on blast off right oh yeah i remember that one yeah yeah episode five johnny five is alive yeah uh, that was that was a while ago that's a good one um i've got the my guest appearances on your show and other shows at danielelwood.com there's a link to all my appearances if people don't you know already have enough of me running my mouth 
you can check out me running my mouth on other shows. <laughs> so, uh, Justin, yes. Contagion, you brought this up to me yes. on Twitter. And at the time, uh, I got this random message. I don't go on Twitter very often. So I, I, I check oh. like every couple of weeks. And then I see there's a bunch of messages, notifications. And I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Who is this and, guy? <laughs> but he says that he's got a movie suggestion for us. I'm like, okay, he's probably cool. You know, mm-hmm. he knows what we do here. We talk about movies. And then I find out that you're, you know, who you are. And I'm like, great oh, well, intuition. Of course we'll have you on. So uh, why don't you tell us why you decided to Twitter me to do this particular episode? Oh, well, I, I chose a three pronged approach uh, to life. And one was to be really bold in what I do. So I don't really like I've I've emailed um, John McAfee to talk to him. He hasn't returned my calls. Um, I'm still trying to get a hold of Chuck Palahniuk, right? And his his handler won't return my calls. But like, so I just reach out to people whenever I feel like it. And then once in a while, they they reach back. And you guys were awesome enough to do that. So, um, but also I had a little inside information, right? I was totally aware that you had a relationship with Raylene, and I completely completely depended on that to bridge the connection i know i did i know i put her name out there like really early too so because i'm a smart dude and i know talk about this movie talk about the yeah. movie so the contagion uh the reason to to choose that was pretty obvious to me at the time but for anyone who isn't up on the whole coronavirus thing um i really found that the the parallels between the movie what happens there and what's happening now in our real real world uh it just bared some discussion. It, it needed some discussion. So um, I was hoping somebody else would discuss it, but here we are. I, I think it's going to be fun. I just don't. Yeah. All right. Well, you've, of- come, you've come to the right place. That's what we do here. We talk about movies and, and uh, it should be a good, good time. And, and you're, you're very fortunate that I was able to slot you in because we are booked out through May already. And, and has Congrats. that's great. So, yeah. So, you know, pretty lucky yeah. to get in on here. Yeah. I, I feel lucky that I got to come. Boom. Whoa. All okay. right, it's sexual. Okay, here. Robert, I am going to Cobra Kai your ass. Try right it. Yep. Okay, you're you're very My safe. My food is really good. No virtual hugs, no virtual Cobra Kai. The only hugs that are safe these days are virtual hugs. Due yeah. to many, many precipitating factors. Yeah. Are you showing symptoms? No. There's got to be some kind of symptom. That does not look Because I'm lit. I'm on fire. <laughs> is it? Is it? And then the fire goes down? Like, <laughs> it drifts the? off of my head. <laughs> Like she's, she's inverted she's inverted Robert. yeah okay. what do you think of the hair what do you what do you think for real no, i think it's strong it. it's strong no yeah. I, uh, yeah it's it's like not the bull dyke lesbian kind of pink hair yeah definitely yeah it's very classy. more slightly classy. more feminine style yeah. Pink hair. yeah yeah it's fun so, i'm digging it um i'm only getting old so i gotta do it now right cover all those grays right i don't i have like five grays total and i have not throughout my whole 30s i've been very lucky not yet, but I should start dying it now so I can claim that. And then I'll never know when the grades come in. See, it's a it, great it plan. May be, it may already be too late. Yeah. All right. So uh, people do show up to watch this show because we talk about movies, not Let's about hair and whatever else yeah. we were talking about. Um, but Raylene, you have a show. You have a, a place that we're going to link to and previous mm-hmm. appearances with us. So I'll have all of that on our show notes page, lastnarrative.com slash 113. Justin, is there anything that uh, you would direct people to or... Uh, that you would want us to put on the show notes page for you? Uh, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Hashtag, right. hashtag free Ross. Yeah, you get pitched something about Ross Albright being in in prison, serving two back to back forty year sentences and on life or something with like no possibility of parole for basically uh, allowing other people to do their business. 
All right. Say something about that, dude. We'll donate it. I think that that's actually a very noble thing. I will put that on the show notes page and a blurb and probably some episodes. I know um, our man, uh, former Mance Raider, he's had his uh, Ross's mom on at least once, maybe twice talking about the situation there. So definitely something worth checking out, everyone. It's it's an outrage that uh, that has occurred and that he's received the sentence that he has when people for far lesser things or far greater things get off uh, for far less. Um, but we're talking about a movie. So let's move mm-hmm. on. We start yes. with the Google, Google description. And so I shall uh, begin reading that. Uh, open your hymnals to um, google.com slash search for contagion. Uh, 2011 PG-13 drama sci-fi. One hour, 46 minutes, 6.6 IMDb, 3.9 out of 5 on Voodoo, 84% Rotten Tomatoes, and 85% of Google users like it. The description reads, when Beth Emhoff, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, returns to Minnesota from a Hong Kong business trip, she attributes the malaise she feels to jet lag. However, two days later, Beth is dead, and doctors tell her shocked husband, played by Matt Damon, that they have no idea what killed her. Soon, many others start to exhibit the same symptoms, and a global pandemic explodes. Doctors try to contain the lethal microbe, but society begins to collapse as a blogger, a conspiracy theorist, uh, Jude Law, fans the flames of paranoia. Came out September 9, 2011. Director Steven Soderbergh. Uh, box office of 135.5 million on a huge budget of 60 million dollars. Robert, your take and your opening uh, information. Well, okay. I think this movie is going to be far more interesting to talk about its real life parallels than the film itself. Um, I personally wasn't too impressed with the film. I thought it was perfectly well executed in terms of technical standpoint, but in terms of story, I thought it fell down completely flat. Like in terms of investing, you got you've got this plague that is running all over the planet and millions of people are falling down dead. And it's just this massive ensemble cast where we don't really spend enough time with anybody to really care about them. So like, I guess the only one I sort of cared about when she died was the um, Titanic chick, but everybody else is like, Oh, and then they, then they died. And then, Oh, I guess they made the cure. Okay. And these things just sort of happened. Like so much was happening. It's very Lord of the Rings. Invested in any of the events, like there's no tension in the film at all. So you got to get invested in the characters in order to care about what happens to them. I didn't care about any of them. Maybe the the little girl that just wanted to like have a prom and like hang out with this boy that she liked. I kind of cared about her a little bit, but and I felt bad that her mom died and whatnot. But I I think it's 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 more interesting as a discussion point movie than it is about the film itself. Uh, It was. Competently done, but I think it f- completely fell flat with uh, me, the audience, connecting with anybody that, that died or any of the action on screen. Yeah, so Robert, I'm going to agree with you on a lot of those sentiments. And I was kind of surprised because I am familiar with Steven Soderbergh. He did, I think, Aaron Brockovich and some other like um, kind of pseudo thriller slash lots of technical uh, stuff going on. And those were entertaining and well-executed films. And, and you're right, this is executed well, but it doesn't really have much of a story. It really felt like... I was just almost watching a documentary slash reality TV show, like like cops, like we're just following these people doing this stuff and we're sort of jumping around. Uh, but I didn't really feel like I was watching a movie, you know? So it was it was kind of awkward in, in that respect and, and also not super memorable. Uh, in fact, when I think, uh, Justin, when you reached out to me, we had you'd shared with me the trailer for this movie and said something like uh, people were watching this trailer thinking that it was like about the coronavirus and what was actually yeah. happening where people were like mistaking that as like actual footage. Yeah. 
And I, I watched the trailer and I was like, wow, this is gripping, compelling. You know, it, it makes me want to watch <laughs> this movie. Of course, that's the job of the trailer. Yeah. Uh, but it, it it set me up for uh, disappointment, I'm afraid. So uh, anyway, what's your take, uh, Raylene, on the Google information and what uh, we've opened with here? Then we'll go to Justin. Uh, <clears throat> this movie was not great. You can skip it um, unless you want to see the parallels of what's possible or what could possibly be going on right now honestly it, it, it did a really good job showing us why we hate government why we hate that they lock down information all, all that kind of stuff it made me mad because the stuff that was true it made me mad when they were doing propaganda parts uh about like who we're supposed to trust and then oh we just have the answer now but everything that you guys said was totally true i was i thought wow there's so many people in this movie i've never seen it before um so many famous people but i could not I didn't care about one of them. Um, they they weren't even acting like a, the the girl the daughter's stepmom died and her but her little brother died and they're not grieving it they're not talking about it there they're not like there's no conversations there's just no <laughs> it, it was really good intense music they did a lot of good job with putting the film together I just didn't think it was uh, um, it was more like almost like priming us to be scared of. Uh, contagions or a, a pandemic, but with just like trust your government, there'll be a vaccine is what I felt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting take. And and I felt like I wanted it to be more like Outbreak. I remember Outbreak from way back when Dustin Hoffman and, and the monkey. And then mm-hmm. I guess in uh, Chasing Amy, of course, uh, the Jason Lee character says she's she's like that monkey from Outbreak. Like she's got so many diseases or whatever. Uh, that was like a cultural event, you know, Outbreak was. But this one, it's a movie I didn't even know existed until a few weeks ago. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, just it's, it's forgettable, and I don't, I can't imagine why anybody would like recommend. We watched it and then gripping or whatever. We forgot about it. I go, do you remember anything about that movie? He goes, no. Like we just watched <laughs> it. It was like, I mean, I can, but you have to really pull at it, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. it can't all be winners, my friends. I'm sorry to say, but I, but I didn't suggest it uh, having seen it before. So in my, in my defense, I didn't intentionally suggest a terrible film. Because I'm not uh, sadistic like that, but having, <laughs> don't worry about that. I mean, having watched it, and you know, I sat through it with Raylene, and we didn't take notes or anything, and my sister, and we, uh, I found some morbid enjoyment in watching Gwyneth Paltrow expire on TV. That was fun. Like, and I was, <laughs> I was like watching uh, these prolonged death scenes because I've never seen a person die in real life, but I imagine that these folks do some research. And so I, I've always, I've always just been, had a peculiar fascination with seeing how well they do, you know, and my oldest son's been faking his death since he was three. It's kind mm-hmm. of like, uh, not, not that like those two things are related necessarily. I guess it's just a weird theme in my life, but anyway, moving on. So the movie was, was pretty forgettable, but because we all, I already know so much about how the CDC operates. I wasn't surprised that it was really propagandic also. And who also, um, these, one of the things I pointed out to my wife is that uh, these buildings that these people work out of at, who are just, they've got like 12 foot ceilings. The, the doorways to get into the, the offices are eight or nine feet tall and five feet wide, you know, large, huge doors, great big panes of glass, very expensive buildings. And uh, your average, um, like those are like corporate, big money corporation dollar type buildings. And I don't know if all that stuff is strictly necessary for fighting disease uh, in the world, in the world, but it kind of like speaks to how many resources and how much money those people have at their disposal. And 
for them to like use some of that for for less than um, altruistic reasons, you know, to kind of like skew things in the media to be more dire than they are to push a vaccine schedule is completely within the realm of possibility. So for that alone, I was really interested in watching the movie because I believe that Hollywood packages, um, they, they hide the truth in there with with some fiction. And if you are paying attention, you can you start to see a lot of big themes that are related to deep state activity and um, stuff that stuff that's bad, I guess. I'm always on the lookout for it. So I see I see it everywhere. But uh, also, where was yeah. I? Uh, yeah. Cont- Contagion has this big cast of characters, like you guys said, but I like Matt Damon, his performance was almost wooden. Like I, I have seen very few performances from that guy that, that weren't exceptional. And this was, this was not exceptional. Um, yeah. And, and I didn't recognize anybody else really. Did I, I don't remember. I don't, I don't even remember who was in the movie. I just remember those two people. That's terrible. Oh, we had all kinds of people. We had Jude Law, Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Morpheus, yeah. that's right. Yeah. I got mad at him at one time. He did have a line I liked. It was, um, he said, we don't need to weaponize the bird flu. The birds are doing it already or something like that. Making reference to the fact that if, uh, that there's really no way for us to, or there's no reason for anyone to create these weapons. They exist in the real world. and Which does um, correlate with coronavirus right now. And let me interrupt Justin real fast. Just yeah, yeah. because they, um, the, the big obfuscation between, is it something that people did? Or did the bats actually transfer and then mutate this this virus into something so dangerous? Because they were saying that people couldn't even get it from the animals, and now not only are people getting it, but they're the, the they were transferring from bat to bat of species of bats, and now to people, and now it is what it is. It's like so. This is quite the leap, anyway. Yeah, and and I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you finish, Justin. But um, we just did Batman last week, and it has no relation <laughs> to us doing <laughs> this movie this week. Uh, and then to your comment about the palatial buildings and, and facilities that these guys have uh, depicted in this, um, it reminds me of our discussion, Robert, with um, Jared uh, on Captain Phillips. And we were talking about the UN and how they'll go out and do like something during the day to you know help bring water to some village, or whatever, and then they'll go back to these very posh accommodations. So you can definitely see where their money is going, yeah. versus you know what they're claiming it's going to. And this mm-hmm. is you know people that that we know who have actually gone and seen this and done this stuff. And uh, it's kind of, uh, kind of amazing to see the devotion of resources to be misallocated uh, in such a way. And that's kind of the nature of government, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then that's just kind of how it's, how it is. And because they can, and, and also there's that uh, budget situation where you always have to budget more than you think you're going to need because you know, it's going to get cut or whatever. And all those cuts are like cuts in the amount of increase and if you don't spend it, you don't use it by the end of the year, then your budget will be smaller next year. So there's this cycle of uh, you need to kind of prove that you need the money. Mm-hmm. So you have to waste the money to prove you need more. Anyway, mm-hmm. Justin, I said I'd let you finish. Uh, I'm doing the Kanye thing here. So I uh, hope I didn't throw you too far off your track where you were going. Um, uh, you, we don't know each other very well, but one thing I never have is a track. So <laughs> it's all good. I think they know that now. I oh, think yeah. they guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll fit in well on the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I was probably done to be honest. Um, he was, he was, yeah. I know him. Yeah. I know him. All right. He, he did finish. All right. I did let him finish. All right. You let well, me finish. Yeah. Like a true gentleman. Right, next, <laughs> time, next time I'll cut you off, buddy. All right. So, uh, we <laughs> talked about the weaponizing 
the weaponizing here. And I, I thought that the military being involved so early on in the film uh, and, and getting a hold of Larry Fishburne, who was like the main CDC guy in Atlanta, was kind of a big deal. And it was kind of surprising um, that they would go immediately to, is this a biological threat? You know, we need to be in control of the situation. The military needs to be the people doing all of this stuff. And I know, you know, it's like, yeah, they're all different arms or branches of the same government. And so that's the whole checks and balances thing is like, what's well, all really the same team, right? But um, it just seemed like they were more concerned about the military implications than the actual effects that were happening to people. And I'm wondering if that is like a realistic thing or is that something that they tried to introduce some drama into this? Robert, what's your thought on that? I'm not really sure I understand your question. Are you saying that the government protected themselves as opposed to the people? Because that's clearly always the case. Well, they went immediately to the, you know, this this is a military thing now. This this is a weaponized thing. And that, that was Larry Fishburne's comment back that Justin liked, that we don't need it to be weaponized by people. The birds are doing it for us. They're spreading it for us. Uh, side, side quest, um, because of this movie, I started watching a Netflix series called Pandemic, which is a documentary and does talk about this kind of stuff. And it we made it through like the first two or three episodes. We started to fall asleep. But um, they were talking about how some of the birds that do migrate, um, there's there's government funded studies, of course, of people catching ducks in some marshes in Louisiana, and they swab the ducks and test them for having, uh, you know, some indication of having this virus. But those ducks go all the way up to northern Canada, you know, Saskatchewan area, and then yeah. all the way down to South America. And and basically their point is, if these birds have it, they're traversing, you know, thousands of miles. So if they've got it, it's it's going almost everywhere. Uh, just due to the interconnectedness. And then, of course, we've got airlines and, and inter interconnected travel with, with people now because they were talking about in this, um, and I think it was maybe referred to in, in the movie as well, the, the Spanish flu in 1918 and how it killed so many people. And that was when there was steamships. Um, you know, the mode of travel was far, far slower, and it still killed 50 to 100 million people, which sounds crazy high. Um, and, and they seem to talk oh, about in, in in terms of, well, it... it um, like they, they don't seem to put it in the frame of reference of, well, living conditions were far less than they are today. You know, uh, World War II had just ended. So there had been millions of people sitting in mud for three years, four years in trench warfare. Uh, so there's all sorts of precipitating factors that, that would have probably led to it that a similar, you know, say the Spanish flu is happening now. I think far fewer people would die because people are far healthier. There's cleaner water, better sanitation, better food. Uh, standard of living is far better. So, I don't know. It seems to go back to that narrative of like the greatest thing ever in medical history is vaccines. Um, or at least that's, you know, what, what we hear or are told, but I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. It seems to me like living conditions are far better and therefore the incidence of disease uh, are going to go down or the survivability rate is going to go way up. Mm -hmm. uh, Raylene, I know, I know that's a jumping off point for you. So have at it. Yeah. Okay. So um, we're seeing a lot of people being worried about things like leprosy spreading right now in inner cities in places like San Francisco among the homeless. I don't know if you guys have heard that rats are spreading diseases because again, people living in filth, um, it is always comes down to all, all the, the vaccines were introduced after all of these major diseases were already on the decline because of things like running water and better hygiene. Um, there have been spikes where things like the oral polio vaccine was introduced, which was a live 
um, vaccine given orally, and it was passing through the children through their uh, stools, through their diapers and things like that. So it was still spreading because parents weren't washing their hands between changing diapers and things like that, right? So um, that's why it was made illegal here in the United States. Um, ironically, or not so, maybe let's say um, wickedly, uh, WHO, the World Health Organization, and the Bill Gates Foundation has been giving the oral polio vaccine to third world countries, which is why there was such spikes in polio and what's used to tell everyone to get their shots now for their children, where uh, people living in without water and dirty conditions that had very poor nutrition. I mean, we're talking about not even basic vitamins in their in their diets, and they were being given the oral polio vaccine, which was what was spreading it here in the United States and why it was made illegal. So you have to, to look at that kind of stuff and kind of go, what are they getting at? And what are they doing this for? Um, it, it makes me wonder about all of <laughs> all of it. So yes, cleanliness is important. And they did a really good job in this movie. Talk, they kept showing the close-ups of the hands and everything you touch. I mean, they did a really good job with the cinematography of that and really laying all that out. And the coronavirus itself, everyone should know, is right now they are finding that the RNA is on um, surfaces, doorknobs, things like that. So it is on things and on stuff that you can touch. And it's also airborne through like a vaporized germs coming out of the face, right? And that's it's very respiratory. They did all of that in the movie similarly. Um, there was somebody with uh, diseases, the diseases of SARS and Ebola, which are very similar. Somebody actually had a noxious, they had diarrhea before, and the diarrhea was so bad that the plume of smell from the diarrhea came out and gave everyone else the disease. So they do think that this is a possibility with coronavirus also, which is loose stools are part of this. Um, Here's a very off-color dad joke, but the silent, bed- silent yes. bed- has, has come to fruition. It's come true. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, um, when I read in scientific papers about a diarrhea, diarrhea plume that was aerosoled and giving other people... SARS and things like that. That's unbelievable. So, I mean, I've been reading a lot of journals and papers trying to understand this virus. And um, right now they're not really releasing anything about the new coronavirus. They're just talking about the old coronavirus. So I'm, I'm really trying to get my hands on it and understand it. But yeah, there, there seems to be a lot of um, conflicting information going on. And and I feel like some of the, some of the, just even asking the questions almost makes you seem as if, and I don't mean you really specifically, I just mean one or you know, yeah. the Royal, whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, it makes it seem as if one is a tinfoil hat wearing Jude Law character uh, as depicted in this film. Yeah. And even, even he is sort of faking. Uh, he says like some kind of, is it a tea or some kind of a tincture that he's taking? That he's Forsythia, it's a plant. We have one out in our yard, actually. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out that that's actually not true. He was like faking having the disease. So is that their way of um, sort Alex of- Alex Jones kind of thing? Yeah, but then then debunking him or capping him a little bit, you know, at the knees. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, um, I think that was definite. That's one of the things that was pissing me off. I'm like, okay, so now they're writing it in that he's lying about it. Now, if he was making money off of selling supplements, I don't think there's anything wrong with capitalism. I mean, I think that we're all down for people sharing cures when the government is hijacking everything and and has the monopoly on everything and information, too. But um, there are there were there are people that are arrested or getting in trouble for helping people when they're giving them vitamin C and vitamin A when they're sick by governments because they they don't want 
people to use vitamins. So we have to kind of look at when they're trying to hide the fact that vitamins do help people and proper nutrition does help people get through illnesses. And there our bodies and our immune systems are meant to be nurtured and taken care of preventatively. And um, that's that's just how it is, right? So I don't know why everybody, I'm not saying that vitamins will make sure that you never get sick. That's stupid. But it seems strange to me that we wouldn't want to take supplements if they could possibly help us. I think that that's just smart business. Why wouldn't we want to take care of our bodies? Just like, why wouldn't we lock our doors or put a fence around our house? You know, Or at least eat nutritious food uh, and a a variety of foods rather than fast food. And, and, you know, I mean, we have an obesity epidemic uh, in this country. So, Mm -hmm. you know, people aren't eating like the healthiest of foods and then we see illnesses happen and you got to kind of question, okay, (laughs) what's the right answer here? You know, Mm -hmm. are people responsible for their own choices, their own decisions? And should they have a longer term view of what's going to impact their health? Right. Eating properly, getting enough rest, proper exercise, all of those things. Or should they run to government and demand free, quote unquote, free healthcare uh, to have other people pay for, uh, you know. Subsidize my poor choices. Yeah, therefore, now that's not to say that some people don't, you know, have an insurable uh, situation, you know, an unforeseen accident or uh, some some other thing that really is out of their control, which is what insurance really is for. So health health insurance on the whole is really a misnomer. It's it's more like a, a health uh, spread the wealth um, <laughs> payment plan. Um, right. But uh, I forget where I was going with this. Um, well, look at this movie. Like, so we have the the guy that's sharing the information that they were hiding. They were lying about this guy's telling the truth. He's out there spreading the information. But then they have in the movie, they make him a shyster. Is that a word that I'm allowed to say? I don't even know now. Um, yeah, okay. Except the government. Okay. Well, we have this guy that's taking advantage and then lying about having it and then curing it. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, but most of the people out there whistleblowing, most of the people out there that are sending videos from China that are sharing these videos that are putting together compilations of everything they can find and then sharing information about how to prevent it, what it looks like, what the symptoms look like. There are people out there doing something that's really important to them is, which is sharing information that's true. Okay. And they have whistleblowers being killed right now by the Chinese government because that's what they do. It's not new. We all know that. And if anyone doesn't know that Chinese the Chinese government kills people constantly for speaking against them or or sharing information that they don't want them to, then you need to pay attention. Um, And whose government doesn't? I mean, I honestly don't think there is one. Um, Anyway, so of course they liken it to him being a bad guy that is trying to take advantage. But his role was not appreciated enough for what he was doing, right? And then you have, there's more. I mean, what are they doing? They're they're hiding it, saying, well, there's going to be a panic or who's going to pay for it. And if we had universal health care, what kind of death panels, what, what kind of death panel would that be? We see what's going on in China right now. Yeah, they're locking people in rooms, locking them from the outside and never intending on letting them out. Like it's basically, if you've got the virus, you've been consigned to death and you don't even, there's no chance at even getting a treatment for those people. Then if there was a, if there was a treatment that would cure it, like if it was just a application of vitamins, for example, or who knows what, I don't know. Um, they can't get it anymore because they're locked in there. It's like, uh, like you find in the opening episode of the yeah. walking dead, how you had all those guys locked in behind the, the barred doors, right? Because everybody's afraid that they're going to get it. And the stuff, there's no logical consistency either because there are people who are physically locking those people in. Right. And who are those people? Like those guys that are, the, the orderlies, if you will, the ones that are picking up the sick people and mm-hmm. locking them in the rooms. Who the fuck are those guys? Like, are are they immune to the disease? How would we know? Are, what are they being treated with? What's the deal? Are they just volunteer jagoffs who like, well, we're sick. We might as well keep you guys in here too. It's for the greater good. I don't know, man, but it pisses me off. 
They're just following orders, Justin. That's yeah, that's they really are. I mean, they're taking people off the street and grabbing them, and they're they're not they're not giving people masks. They're not helping people. And right now, the body count from according to whistleblowers from the funeral homes, the funeral homes are only taking them from the hospital to hide the bodies and incinerate them. But they're also picking up directly from people's homes the dead and then getting rid of their bodies. So that's what, according to the whistleblowers and the people talking about the body count being much higher. So, I mean, we don't really can't prove anything. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> I wish I had it. But I mean, in the movie, they were doing the same thing. In the movie, they were basically like, I mean, Lawrence Fishburne, who is this mega guy that can get people like Kate Winslet flown out of there and saved, even though she, why does she get special treatment? Why does anyone get special treatment? And he tells his wife or girlfriend or whoever the hell she is to get out. And then she tells people and then he's supposed to get in trouble for it because he gave special treatment to his family. Well, first of all, you know, that's going to happen because self-interest always motivates. No matter who's in charge, whoever has the secret information is going to share it with their people. And do you is it's not fair because it's the state. It's not fair because this information is being is a, is a government thing and they're hiding actively and lying and trying to suppress the information, which it makes them an aggressor, in my opinion. I mean, if it was just you knew about it and you didn't want to tell your neighbors, that's up to you morally. That's your decision. You're, you're, you shouldn't have to be legally required to. Should you do it? Yeah, you should tell people or you should help them. But um, when it comes down to the government having the monopoly on information or the monopoly on force or the it's the government, the state is the only one that can really have a monopoly, you know? And, and that's, was anyone else mad when that happened? Was anyone pissed off? Like that's bullshit. Oh, oh, get out of Chicago. Everyone's dead. We don't want anyone to know. Yeah. It it seems like a very challenging situation because you don't want to have a massive panic, right? Because that would cause other complications, other problems that would affect people. And I was a little bit surprised that I guess he could have told her in a different way and it wouldn't have been a technical crime or whatever it was. It seemed like a really bad writing. Yeah. He said, well, I mean, they had to have him sort of get threatened with being in trouble. So they had to write it this way for, you know, some more drama in the movie. And thank you for bringing it back to the movie, by the way, really. Mm -hmm. But I was like surprised. This is almost like almost an insider trading kind of like, ah, gotcha. You know, Mm -hmm. you said this the wrong way or, or how they tried to impeach Trump on like how he had a phone call with somebody. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, it seems as if, you know, Lawrence Fishburne could have said it a slightly different way and it would have been a non-issue. And the, the fact that the janitor overheard, like... It, that was pretty lame. Was that how he got in trouble? Because I thought he and the janitor were cool. And they at the cool. end, he, he actually... Uh, did he give his yes. his uh, shot to the kid? And so Lawrence yes. Fishburne didn't have it? Yes. yes. And then lied about it. That, that was, motherfucker. Excuse that my was language. Ridiculous. Sorry, please. I'm so sorry. But this guy is in charge of public health at that level of information, of making decisions. He is like this top tier of trustworthy government slash disease prevention, curing, whatever guy. CDC, obviously. They're evil in real life. So they're evil in the movies too. He is giving the vaccine that he didn't have to be in a lottery for. He just gets. Okay. So he didn't have to be in a lottery. He just gets the vaccine. And so does his lady. He lies to his coworkers, takes it, gives the kid the vaccine because he's trying to make up with the neighbor because the neighbor knows he's a shitbag who was sharing with his wife that they were completely letting Chicago die and he didn't want her to. And um, and then where's the bracelet like he did it? What is is anyone annoyed by this? I'm so I was completely annoyed by that. I remember we had a fit about it and uh, because this is what happens like there is no truth there's no truth yeah and there's no consistency with once they start 
doing wrong. It's just like a cascade of wrong after that, you know, um, the, to give away his shot is supposed to underscore the fact that he's, a um, believes that it'll work, that it's for the benefit of these people that he's giving it away to, that he cares a lot. Right. And yet at the same time, that means that he's at risk and potentially a carrier and he's lying to everybody by wearing the bracelet. So they'll let him into their dinner parties, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a polite society, they'll be like, Oh, you got a blue bracelet on, come on in and have some chicken. And then he'll walk in the door and he'll be carrying virus into their home and they'll all die. Right. And that's lame. And that uh, could happen. Could happen. Bill Gates, well, I just want to re- rebut you because they said in the, in the film that the, um, the incidence rate or the survivability, it was, is much worse than the standard flu, but people did survive it. Right. And so he could, if he were healthy, overcome it and then have a resistance to it. Right. No, see now if that's true and people were overcoming it, then who the fuck cares? Excuse my language, but like, how bad is it really? It's, uh, like diseases kill people. You know what I'm saying? It's it's really strange. I'm struggling with this in real life because the coronavirus is allegedly this. Uh, it's now pandemic because we're on we're in Italy now. We have uh, Iran. The United States, Iran, Australia. right? So we're on different co- continents all over the globe, all of them, and the and everyone's concerned about it. And then you listen to people like um, I don't know if this guy does his homework, but I watched an episode by another podcaster and Jason Stapleton, and he did a podcaster and he did like a um, uh, report on the numbers. And he was saying these numbers are very similar to just your every, your standard flu, like your H1N1 flu that runs around in America. And the mortality rates are just about as high. And he pointed out that the, the first mortalities were in these really densely populated urban centers in a country that has notoriously poor healthcare. Right. And, I don't know. There are people that will get sick and they're going to die from that disease. Like nothing's going to save them, I guess, Mm -hmm. or they're not going to think of a cure in time to save themselves. And we all know that that stuff happens, right? We hear about the strange deaths and that no one expected and uh, related to disease. And it's really sad when that happens, when it's somebody, you know, you care a lot and it affects you deeply. When it's just another number out there in the world, uh, you start looking at it like, in a, like a risk assessment, how many people are going to die before we really start to get concerned that the whole population of the earth is doomed. Right. And I think that that we get ahead of ourselves, we get overreactive, we get concerned that Mm -hmm. someone in our life is going to die. And those are very legitimate, real concerns for those, for everyone, for those people. And at the same time, I'm at odds with myself because at the same time I recognize it, um, unless you're fucking around and building viruses, Mm -hmm. then that's just going to happen, you know? And are you going to, Maybe we have a treatment this time. I don't know if the vaccines work. I'm, I am very, very speculative. Well, they don't have vaccines. a vaccine. I don't for think any vaccine works. No human trials. But I know that we certainly don't test anything well. And mm-hmm. so if you were to just look at that little part, how do we know that these things are working? And so if you don't have a treatment mm-hmm. for it, that's like, like a magical cure-all, then you're really just relying on those individuals on a one-for-one basis being healthy enough with an immune system strong enough to fight off whatever it is trying to infect their bodies. And, and that's that. And I don't know if there's any, there was some interesting stuff in this and I'll tell you why, because um, it is possible for a live attenuated virus to 
still uh, mutate and incubate in a person who got the vaccine. And then they can be asymptomatic even when they're sharing. Sometimes they get it and, every, and the mom knows. And you're like, how come my vaccinated kid got measles? Well, it, it, this is how. Um, and sometimes there's low efficacy. And But you can also shed and be contagious to other kids. So this is the thing. That's what's called shedding, which is totally a possibility and listed on the inserts inside of the vaccine manufacturer packaging. So um, that's the big thing in the movie was that it was killing all the monkeys. So then she was like, I guess we're gonna have to do a live virus. Oh, that made and, me so angry. And that whole thing was preposterous. Right. So people should know that technically it the side effects would be listed that it would give them the disease and that it would be contagious. That would be a listed side effect. We didn't get to see anything about the safety or side effects or what was happening in the trials, which I thought was interesting that they didn't even bring it up because all... There's always people dying and bad things happening with every vaccine trial, and and most of them are done in very small groups or or um you know there's a lot of stuff that I won't go into on the show, but it, I just thought that was a really just very short, just poor, just poor. If anyone knew anything about it, they would know that that was ridiculous, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it it seems like they did bring a lot of uh, technical jargon into the film. I think to make it seem more realistic. I don't know how technically accurate it was, but I learned about fomites, which was like the mm-hmm. amount of times people will touch their face and i guess they overestimate or overstated it in the film it's actually mm-hmm. far less than that mm-hmm. uh, and then like the r not which was the, like the incidence of transmission and and maybe a relation to the survivability of it um so those are interesting concepts mm-hmm. uh, and i don't know if there's any veracity to this but uh, a friend of mine on facebook so an acquaintance uh, someone i've never met in real life but i know mm-hmm. uh he is concerned about the coronavirus and, and things that he is hearing and seeing, similar to, I'm sure, how you guys are feeling. But he was saying that from a numbers perspective, that the um, mortality rate of the normal flu is something like 0.014%. Um, so, you know, in the average year, half a million people will die of the flu. That's a huge number. But the um, coronavirus is, is pacing at something like 2% or something like that. So out 3% of 100% now? 2 or 3%. So, so, so yeah, it could be like hundreds lot. of millions of people as a result of that, yeah. but that's a big number because it's such a big number, you know, the human population or whatever, but still that means 96% plus um, aren't going to get it or will survive it. Um, so yeah, you know, like every death is a tragedy, like the Stalin quote, right? Mm-hmm. A million deaths. Is yeah. And, and yeah. you kind of see that in this, in this film where um, as more and more people die, uh, they, it, it matters less and less to the survivors. Yeah. Yes. And I wonder how, you know, how real that would be. I, I guess it kind of would, you, you would kind of get real or get used to it. Sort of like, um, you know, middle ages bubonic plague where, mm-hmm. uh, transmission was very high. It was, um, rats carrying it from, from the far East and, and on the fleas and sanitation was terrible. There's, you know, detritus in the streets and, and then dead bodies. And, and, um, I guess there was so little, like, the standard of living was so low that that even the clothing from the dead was uh, stripped of them to to be worn by others. Yeah, um, which I can't imagine. I mean, we have it so much better now. Um, but now. Uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, um, Robert, I, I I know that you've probably got a few things that you've wanted to say. We we've been talking uh, over you. I want to loop you in on this. Uh, yeah, you're doing fine. Well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, yes. I I had a few thoughts, uh, primarily economic related um Mm -hmm. one i wanted to talk a little bit about the socialist random number death generator that is the distribution system which is the lottery Mm -hmm. and how they distribute these vaccines once they actually produce because they can't produce enough of them right 
mm-hmm. right? Because I, we we don't they they control the production. They don't release. I mean, it seems that it's government control. They don't just like release the the cure into the market and let yes. everybody produce it. They they seem they want to like, which is ludicrous. It which is. is which is insanity, right? You, you're dealing yeah. with a global pandemic. You would want to everybody as much of it as possible and yeah, just release it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So instead, they 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 just you 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 get a number, and maybe if you were born on that date, you get to live. But otherwise, <laughs> maybe there's a chance that you're going to die, which is the case anyway. I mean, they don't mm-hmm. owe you anything necessarily, but the fact that they control this information is abhorrent mm-hmm. to say the least. Um, I also wanted to mention that. I mean, I always try and cram in economic talk into any. I like it. it I think this, it's hot. The show. Okay, so this movie is sets up and teases the economic impact of a global pandemic, but it doesn't really follow through. Mm-hmm. We yep. we see, you know, conversations of people like, well, the Teamsters are gonna uh, yep. quit or they're gonna go on strike. on strike, and the nurses they're not going to work. Yep. And we see like streets of. I don't know, Detroit or San Francisco, where there's just garbage in the streets, you know, like modern day, whatever. But then, you know, in, in like Matt Damon, he's he's in his house and he's like not going outside and the, the army's shutting down the streets. And then there's like runs on supermarkets and there's like nothing on the shelves, sort of. Yeah. But then like cut to, you know, we, we fast forward in time and everything's fine, sort of. Yeah. Like uh, you're, he's, Matt Damon's in his house. And he can't call 911 because people are breaking in and whatever. They don't respond to that. But he looks normal, chubby Matt Damon. I mean, he's not like losing any pounds. It's fine. And, you know, thing life kind of continued. They kind of just hand wave all those economic impacts away. Like, how are people, are people still going to work? Are, That's what they, still I wanted producing, to know. are they still producing food, water, electricity? Um, is government still functioning with, you know, with the utilities and whatnot? Mm-hmm. I mean, if the Teamsters aren't transporting goods, mm-hmm. then how are people getting food to eat over this? What is it like a six month time frame or whatever it is? It's like is a, it, that a, long? it goes by days. Right. So there's like a 200 day at one point. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's more than six months. So how are people surviving with people not going to work and not, you know, interacting? Like, right. I mean, with the currently with um, the coronavirus. I mean, people just put on masks and they kind of go out there about their business and they wash their hands more often, probably, or maybe they wear gloves and whatnot. Yeah. But in this movie, I mean, currently, you know, there aren't 23 million people dying or whatever was the peak in the film. But I would imagine if it got to be the point where there was 1% of the world's population infected or dying, yeah, it would grind. And it, the movie teases the fear and it plays yeah. it up. But then it doesn't it doesn't follow through because the economic impact would be quite staggering if people just stopped working. Robert, yeah. okay, why did he take both guns from the neighbor when he goes over to the neighbor's house and gets <laughs> one gun and he leaves the other one? I'm like, hey, you stupid son of a bitch. You have a daughter at home that's old she enough could to use it. Get, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they, it was so poorly done. OK, sorry, Daniel. Well, he, he's anti-gun, so, you know. Pussy. It's true. In all his movies, he solves problems with guns, but he's in real life, he's Matt Damon. Matt Bitch. Damon. Matt Damon. Only men here. <laughs> Only men allowed on this show. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, Robert, you bring up some really interesting uh, points, and I think that there is some impact, uh, especially in China. I, I've seen some stories where uh, Chinese New Year just happened, and it's like two weeks off of people don't, work and they extended it or there was like an optional week that normally doesn't mean a week off but technically it's still chinese new year and so they actually had people stay home and not work from that and it's been impacting um manufacturing and imports into the united states 
There's some talk of um, smaller companies that uh, they are somewhat capitalist in, in how their, their companies operate. And some of the smaller companies that are more hand to mouth as far as um, their cash flow are struggling because they're not able to bring in new cash to finance their continuing uh, operations. And so it is, it is having impacts now and it, and it, if it continues on, it's, you know, we'll likely have even more. Um, and I guess I wanted to bring up the other kind of elephant in the room here. And that is the mistrust that a lot of people have because all of the past bird flu, swine flu, H1N1, Ebola, uh, killer bees from Mexico, you know, all of these like scares, climate change, alarmism, all of these things that, that people are getting, um, the boy who cried wolf syndrome Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the time with this kind of stuff. And so I'm almost curious is, are they, is, is it really a problem when they are saying it is, or when they're not saying stuff, because I'm sort of getting like for the coronavirus stuff and I'm not, I'm trying not to pay too much attention to it, but it seems as if there is a holding back of information from some parties, but then there's some alarmism from others. And so I'm Mm kind of like, okay, which one is an indicator (laughs) on which way we should go? Because all the past ones have been, front page news, you know, if it bleeds, it leads, uh, you know, all the local news shows, TV shows or whatever, what are are they called? Local newscasts. You know, they like to lead with the most exciting stuff. And so that that's what they're going to push the narrative, the the narrative of fear. Um, But that usually means they're overblowing it. Mm -hmm. So uh, Robert, I'll go to you. Uh, What's your take on that? Do you you have a similar thing or, or are you not looking at this as much as me? Um, so, I mean, and I'm not looking at it very much. I'm seeing the headlines less and less. I'm glad we got Raylene on here because she seems to be deep diving into this stuff. Um, I tend to downplay the fear mongering headlines. I don't know if you guys, I, I use a, uh, like a Google news aggregator site. And if you look at it just like briefly, you can just see, okay, there's a scare headline, scare headline, scare headline. I mean, they want the clicks, right? So it's something that'll make you angry, something will make you afraid, something will make you angry, something interesting, ooh, something sexy. You know, it's it's all, they're all trying to get clicks. So I can see that aspect of it for sure. And I can also see that the, uh, the governments like China trying to control the information. So I think, I think you're right. I think it's a, a combination of both. Um, <clears throat> it just depends on what your economic incentive is. Why is Facebook trying to suppress the information in the beginning? So here's a couple of things I just want to throw out there to you because I don't have answers. I'm just talking. Um, Facebook came out, said they were going to handle coronavirus misinformation like they do about vaccine and misinformation. And I'm going to tell you right now, don't trust those mother effers. And then you you have Facebook saying that they need to stop us from talking about it or that they're going to start helping us sift through the fake news. Now, that's always a red flag for me. If Zuckerberg is telling us that we shouldn't look at it, I think you should ask why. That's number one. Then Facebook has recently come out to say, let us help you find information about coronavirus. This is their like phase two of this coronavirus rollout. Now they're helping you find CDC links, helping you direct you to find the coronavirus links. And like I was telling you guys in the pre-show, my friend literally posted a link to the patent application for coronavirus. And it was an, it was an outside link. And it, and in this link to talking about the patent and what they wanted to do with it, they said it was going to be for in vitro fertilization or in vitro um, application, water supply, which they mentioned in the movie that, that we just watched about doing it to the water supply, all these other things. It was all in that patent application. And then about four days later, she tags me and says, Raylene, WTF, look at this. And I go to her page and she's just a normie. She's a normie. Um, 
they completely replaced the link with a cdc.gov link. This is Facebook. So this is what they're doing. Um, I just wanted you guys to know that. So I don't know if that changes your opinion at all or, or maybe, but it, it does make it a little deeper. Well, I yeah, definitely yeah. could see Facebook wanting to play ball or being in bed with those that would want to control the information. That's for sure. And isn't, shape opinion about things. Isn't Facebook, um, aren't they just a platform for people and they're not a publisher themselves. And so for them to screen out material sort of puts the editorial process ultimately in their hands, right? And they're going to take that position. They do that for a fee, um, but they don't, they do that in the, the reverse for the fee. Like you pay them money and they boost your signal, right? And there's a space for that on the screen. It's the ad banner side. But otherwise, whatever you're on there for, if it doesn't violate the terms of their agreement, you can post it. And they're not allowed per their charter, I guess, really their concept of them as a model, they're not the publisher. They're not the, uh, the editor. They're just, they're there providing the platform for individuals who want to edit and publish their own things. Well, and, they're trying to police a lot of thought and opinion on there because there's well, a that, lot of taboo. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, they're, they hold that position, I guess, to keep themselves from being culpable for things that are said that are actually illegal, right? And that's how they sort of maintain a distance from people violating violating free speech laws. Uh, so if they're censoring stuff, not allowing it through, then I think one of two things is true. Either they are violating their own rules and they're being shitbags for it, or they're actually just taking money from the CDC, right, as an, as an agency and promoting the CDC's content mm -hmm. over somebody else's. And if that's the case, then is that appropriate? Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, we know it's not, but I, I think maybe America might be dismayed to find out that that's what's happening, except that observation shows that people tend to like vaccines and uh, the CDC and the information they provide. So I just, I think but why that is it necessary? Years. Yeah. Yeah. But they also work with the CIA and the government and that's all, you know, public record. You can find that out. But now are, are you to, to put this in layperson's terms, cause you kind of got to dumb it down for us, but it's, it's come out recently that the NFL, the football league, has been um, sponsored by the U.S. military. And so there's a lot more pageantry and patriotism and flyovers and recruitment type stuff. And they're getting money for that. So are you saying that there's a similar or a potential for a similar situation with other arms of government and private or pseudo private entities such as Facebook? Uh, the government has cryptocurrency that they trade and they have... Um, investment for retirement funds in various companies. They have that all private, privately handled. But I mean, the government is just people. So if these people are self-interested, like we know people are, then they're always looking for a way to, to benefit themselves. And if you're a member of an agency and you've been with them for a long time as a career, or you intend to, because they pay so well, we're talking about uh, civilians who basically file papers for a living pulling down upwards of 85,000 a year, depending on their locality. And these are not unicorn people, right? These are like normal people that may or may not have finished college. And they make twice as much as typical Americans do for shuffling around paperwork. Why would they not do, do what it takes to keep their job going well, you know, and, and, and justify and their existence? Not only that, but even Robert Kennedy talks about how the CDC is, is just the long arm of uh, it's a pharmaceutical company. It's a shell company for the government. I mean, the the, the dirty former pharmaceutical heads had not like preside over that that mm -hmm. agency. They they become directors for that agency. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how many different 
uh, former CEOs or whomever chair chair people chairpersons mm -hmm. for the board uh, for Merck and what's the other one that well whatever they mm -hmm. it's the yeah, revolving it's, door yes it's all yes. self interested yeah. and, and, yes. and that goes back to the progressive era where you know who best to run these new technological innovations in efficiency and how government should operate than the experts themselves to police and regulate the industry and and therefore maintain an advantage that they already have because they are the entrenched interests. This right. is something that we talk about uh, pretty often yeah. on the show. And, and speaking of the show, we are actually almost at our limit Perfect. of time. So, um, uh, Justin, you, you had a thought. I, I hope I didn't derail you too much. I'm going to let you finish. And then if there's any final notes before we get into summary and review, um, and, and let's try to uh, wrap up on the movie. You know what? If I had any final thoughts, I finished them. So, or, or if I was in a thought, I finished it. Forget. Okay. All right. No problem. Uh, so any final notes or anything else that anyone wants to bring up? Um, I wanted to bring up actually, I'll, I'll just do it my, my own. So mm -hmm. Fuck you, I do it myself. Uh, <laughs> major league reference. Um, one of the things I did like in this movie was the Elliot Gould character who they restricted this virus because it was so dangerous to just the level four lab and he only had level three protections and they told him hey shut it down whatever you're doing it's too dangerous and he's like you know what fuck you guys i'm still gonna do this and he was the one who did the breakthrough uh to discover i guess how it was mutating or how um you know whatever the weakness was to counteract it and, and what that woman ended up using as the test on her own uh on her own self you know life trial um that was a good moment for me uh in in the in the movie because it, it was showing how the government was going into a very um, lockdown, protect the information um, mode and, and basically cutting off a resource that could be utilized to solve the, the problem. Um, so they were making it, you know, diff more difficult for themselves. Um, Go to Raylene with that. And then, then let's do a uh, final stuff here. Uh, I, I think that is exactly what's going on here. So with this whole thing with the coronavirus, they weren't able to test enough people. Uh, all the people that were coming down with it, they didn't have enough tests. That was what was happening in the beginning, even in other countries. So the FDA did an emergency approval in America um, like last month that that the CDC approved labs could start testing for this. So they do need to open it up again, um, protectionism and then, and just the control through government, it needs to be opened up and that more people should be able to work on it um, on and solving the problems. I mean, and IP itself is bullshit. All right. Well said. Well, um, Robert, do you have any final notes or do you want to lead off the final summary and review portion of the show? I know Justin, uh, since you are just going to, react to whatever we say you don't have any notes so we will uh go to robert here okay yeah sure yeah i'll lead off so um first of all i want to thank everybody for this excellent discussion i know i didn't bring a whole lot to the table but i know i like i like to let our guests really fly with it when they feel like they've got a lot of content and i think this episode was full of that so fantastic thank you guys and um the film itself was yeah not great from an entertainment standpoint, I think it served as a way better jumping off point for an interesting discussion, but I, I don't understand how, you know, a talented guy and a talented cast really comes together and produces this dud of a film in terms of entertaining yeah. an audience. Uh, you got this script, which seems like you could have an interesting story to tell. You got this race against time to save millions of lives. And instead you just kind of present the slideshow of events happening with forgettable characters that nobody cares about. 
So I, it, it failed on the most basic level of connecting with an audience. So I, I can't give it a positive review. This is like a 3.5. I, I didn't hate it that badly. So it's actually like a good 3.5 in terms of watchability. I, I watch it, but I wouldn't be, you know, it's not like you recommended this to anybody. Like, hey, you got to see this Contagion movie, man. Is it great? No, it's it's completely forgettable, bland, boring, uninteresting movie. But a good discussion. And thank you, guys. And thank you for suggesting it, Justin. I appreciate that. Yeah. Right. And Justin, just to clarify, this isn't a 3.5 out of 5. It's out of 10. So um, let's go. Let's go to you for your um, final summary, your take on this, and your score out of ten. I would, in hindsight, never watch this movie uh, if it weren't for the show. So that's, I mean, that's literally the case. But also, I probably just would suggest something different if I had it to do over again. This was fun to talk about the parallels to what's going on now. Uh, the movie sucked because I felt like the writing wasn't solid. There were a lot of inconsistencies in in the events that happened i think like like the janitor overhearing the conversation the hushed conversation where he's been over the desk from like 10 feet away uh intelligibly enough to understand the dire need for him to get his own family out of dodge right little things like that really pester me they challenge my suspension of disbelief this movie challenged my suspension of disbelief but also i hate the state and i saw a lot of parallels to that and uh what's going on in the real world today and i don't like it so that inflamed me. And that might have that might have taken away a couple of points. So I'd give this movie maybe like a couple stars because you get to see Gwyneth Paltrow have a pretty legit seizure. And then they use a pretty good-looking copy of her to cut her head off. Uh, the top half of her skull to look at her brain. That's pretty neat. And um, Matt Damon, he's got a really cool scene in it where he like can't register the fact that his wife has died. And that's the only emotion you really get out of him in the whole movie that was eerily right on. It was, And, and really it was because it was so deadpan which was his pace for the whole, the whole film. Um, I didn't recognize Kate Winslet, so I'm a loser because I actually like her. Uh, but that shows you how little I was paying attention, really. I wasn't overly concerned with coming up with questions for today's show, but um, I had a great time. And thanks for going out on a limb and like taking a chance. I, I have one last final thought if I have time, and that if, if I do. Do I? Just yep. because it's you. Just because okay. it's you. So do you remember, um, I think it was in World War Z, there's the scientist that they're banking everything on and he's getting off the plane and something spooks him and he runs back on the plane and he trips and falls and the gun goes off and he shoots himself in the head. And because shit like that can happen and that's your guy that can save the world. Right. I just, anytime you see a movie where there's a shot in the dark, like the magic bullet um, clutch discovery, like this guy who, who decided to break the rules and, and finds the genetic sequence that, that solves, that's the first pin in solving it or, um, you know, the lady who injects herself to prove that the vaccine works, this that's preposterous. That's not how real life works. We can't expect it to happen in the real world like that. And so uh, just keep your wits about you when you're reading the news, I guess. That's it for me. All right. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for suggesting this. Um, based on your suggestion, and I, I didn't realize that you hadn't seen the movie, um, but you had seen the trailer. And then I saw the trailer and I was like, wow, this looks like it's going to be really good. So I, I was like, yeah, I'm excited to do this one. Uh, we like Raylene and uh, you seem cool uh, beforehand. And now, now we've confirmed it. We're, you have a confirmed. Nice, thank you. Yes. Of coolness. But uh, <laughs> I had thought that this was going to be like an updated take on outbreak. You know, outbreak was 
a fun movie when I was a you know younger and it was it was exciting. There was tension. It was like kind of cheesy in some ways, but it was almost like you knew going into it that it was going to be sort of actiony and sort of um, I don't know, not not like super authentic. But it was uh, from my recollection like a good movie. And so I was like, oh, this will be even better because it'll be like more realistic and give us something to talk about. Because I was interested after talking with you um, via the Twitter of doing something related to coronavirus. And I was thinking we could do outbreak or, you know, this contagion thing. And unfortunately, I think, I think we chose poorly. Um, how many other movies have I made quotes to in this? But uh, so I think outbreak would have been uh, probably more fun, but it was still a really good discussion. And like all, all the things we've talked about, there are a lot of problems with this. It really seems almost documentary style, but not even interesting documentary. It's more just like real world, um, follow you around with the camera, slideshow events like robert was talking about there's a whole not a whole lot of drama going on you can kind of see areas where they tried to inject it but it just falls flat um so you know just for that it's it's not a great movie but it is interesting and, and if you're if you want to i guess kind of see some of a reenactment of what uh might happen in a contagion or a plague type situation then maybe it would give you some idea but you're not going to be entertained. It's more like informational. And I don't, again, I don't know how technically accurate it is, but they did mention a lot of technical stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, not a great movie. I, I'm not going to hate it as much as Robert, even though he says he doesn't hate it. 3.5 is probably one of your lowest scores you've ever given. Um, I can't, I can't recall anything. That's correct. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe give it a one once before, but yeah, this is, this is pretty low on, oh. on your scale. Um, I have I'm basic go- minimum standards a movie has to make. Basic. <laughs> he doesn't like Super comedies. Basic. Yeah, he doesn't like comedies, even though we have lots of discussion on them. And uh, anyway, uh, so I'm going to go with a five, just flat five on this. Um, it's sort of like it just washes over you. It happens if you stay awake, uh, you know, get through it. You might learn something, even though it's kind of a it's it's like unsolved mysteries, like the reenactment. That's yes. kind of what, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I watched a, a unsolved mysteries episode randomly the other day. And that music fucking haunting. It takes me back, man. I, I was like, I'm going to go lock the doors because <laughs> I love that show so hard. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably going to watch it now. Now that Good I've call. I'm going to watch it now. Babe, we're watching that. I love that show. <laughs> it used to freak me out when I was a kid. I know. <laughs> so we got a 3.5. We got, uh, what did you say, Justin? Two stars? Yeah, I give it two out of 10 for sure. Two stars out of 10. All right. He's throwing stars around. Raylene, what's your uh, final take and your rating? And, and you can be in um, Pelicans or stars or just numbers, whatever you whatever you want. Whatever I want. That's beautiful. Thank you for the choices. Okay. So I think the movie was okay. And I don't think most people are going to hate it for the same reasons I do. There's just a lot of propaganda. Uh, they mix a lot of true things and what could happen or what would happen, even the bad parts, but they kind of make the bad parts just disappear and they make them seem like they're not as bad. To me, I think that is just the tip of the iceberg of how bad it actually is. And it's it it's in the vein of things that happen constantly in in our history, in the world, in the world's history, but in this country specifically, even that um, we are lied to constantly by the state and by the people who talk about public health. I and mean, you have human experiments been have been going on in this country on um, people of color and orphans. And it's 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 never ending. It isn't that long ago and it's still happening. So for, for me, I'm 
viscerally angry about it, but it's not inspiring like V for Vendetta. It's not inspiring like these other stories where somebody beats that. In fact, it's like the government saves the day in the worst, most ridiculous way that isn't real and that wouldn't save the day. And then it, it just seems it's unfair and it, it's just super status and I don't like it. And it wasn't entertaining enough to get past the statism. Like, you know, like even other crappy movies that I really enjoy, like Armageddon. Okay. Um, at least that's fun. So um, there, that's how I feel. So three stars and and you guys, oh yeah, look, Daniel, it's not another one of my favorite movies, like your daughter. <laughs> look, I did it. I did not like this movie. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. See, a bunch of uh, hate watching going on on this one, apparently. Yeah, but it was like really fun bonding with my husband, hating it and talking so much shit about it. It was really fun. And I love doing that with you guys. And that was fun. Robert and Daniel, you know, I love you both. I think you're yeah. just tits. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you kindly. And thank you again for being a friend and being our guest and for bringing your lesser half along with you, even though it's actually him bringing you along, but name dropping you to get in on the show. It's a complicated mess, really. We're never going to unwind this thing all mm -hmm. the way. But uh, let's see. I already gave my score. Uh, you guys all gave your score. We all did the summaries and reviews. Um, there are ways that uh, our listeners can support us, and that includes going to lastnighters.com slash Patreon and giving us some money so you can get some of the pre-show and post-show content. The post-show is called Kathleen Turner Overdrive, which we explained in our uh, High Fidelity episode. So I hope that you guys can stick around for that uh, in a little bit. Um, also, you can find us on the Launchpad Media as you can find uh, Raylene Lightheart and uh, her show with Johnny Rocket. And uh, what else can they do to support us, Robert, before I tell them what we're going to do next week? Well, you can leave a review. We've been getting some really uh, ego boosting reviews, almost like ridiculously. So I, they almost I don't know what, what show they're listening to, but it, it's making me feel extra, like more pressure is on you. You know, <laughs> when people actually think your show is good and you're like, wait a minute, what? But we really do appreciate those reviews. They, any kind of interactivity uh, increases the visibility. So leave a leave a positive review, leave a, a negative review. It, it all generates uh, more uh, eyeballs on the product. So uh, if you hate watch us or hate listen to us, or if you uh, love watch us or most likely just kind of, you know, passively listen, then get out and uh, leave us a review. That'd be fantastic. Or, uh, you know, buy a shirt on uh .com. That'd be fantastic too. So thank you for all of your support, all of your well wishes. And hopefully we don't get sick and die. All right. Well, well said, well put. And uh, if you do make it to next week, everyone, I, I hope that you do. And I hope we do as well. And we hope our, our guest next week does. It's going to be Mike C returning for the umpteenth time. He's practically a co-host himself. And he's going to be talking about yet another Michael Mann film. We did um, Collateral with him. Um, gosh, it's been maybe almost a year now uh, since that one. But he loves the Michael Mann films. And we're going to be doing Last of the Mohicans which should be super fun and interesting to talk about. It's going to have a, he always brings like a philosophical take on this stuff and he makes great music and a, he, he mixes in like movie quotes and, and awesome riffs and stuff. So I'm excited to have him on for that. So it'll be a lot of fun. So tune in next week, everyone last of the Mohicans, uh, give it a watch beforehand. And then if you, if you pony up some dollars at that last slash Patreon, you can watch it be made. You can get the pre-show and the post-show content. We almost always record with him for like four hours. Nice. Uh, so ten, tons of content going to be coming your way next week, assuming we make it that far. Uh, so we're going to say goodnight from last night. Uh, check it out, uh, lastnighters.com slash 113 for show notes and more. And uh, stay tuned for Kathleen Turner Overdrive, everyone. Thank you, Raylene. Thank you, Justin. And uh, we will continue in just a moment. Good night from last night, everyone. 
All right, and we're actually going to continue the transmission. I'm going to psych Justin out a little bit. I, I, I said we're going to go to uh, Kathleen Turner Overdrive. We actually do the, the final snippet of the actual Anarchy podcast before we do that. Uh, it's a show within a show. It's a concept. It's a failed concept, but it's one I've been doing for like two years now. So I, I, I just feel like I got to remain consistent here. So one last thing I wanted to talk about on this uh, episode, this movie, was the Jude Law character being the blogger and contrasting with the, I guess it was the San Francisco Chronicle reporter. And he was saying to her how uh, print media is dying and they're dinosaurs and they're not moving quick enough on this stuff. Uh, so it's kind of like the ushering in of the social media uh, revolution or era. And we've talked a little bit, probably in the pre-show, but maybe in, in the um, last night's portion as well, how Facebook and YouTube and other places are sort of like editorializing content or uh, squashing dissent. Um, a friend of mine and I were chatting actually earlier today and, and about things were getting um, uh, pushed down. And uh, I, I made the uh, Keynes quote, you know, in the long run, we're all dead. And I said, in the long run, we're all re-ed, uh, like re-education camps. That's where we're all headed. Yeah. So, um, Justin, I want to direct this to you. Uh, do you feel like the print media is dying thing has now kind of moved into even some of these social media giants starting to die? And what will um, do you foresee replace them? Because they do serve a social function, but they are limiting people from having discussions about things. You can't even ask questions uh, about certain things anymore. And I don't know how you develop uh, intellectually um, without being able to have that open discussion platform. I don't either. And that's frightening. To me, it seems like the, the more technologically advanced we become, the less likely we are to get it out of our lives. And while it is a brilliant source of information, the internet is a brilliant source of information and it unites people across the globe in fractions of a second, it is also used for with that same efficacy it's used to dissuade people from doing good things and um persuade people to do awful things in promoting the state and for many many years i just saw a um, cnn footage from the 80s uh that was completely faked they were supposedly in the middle east and getting bought in iran under or saudi arabia excuse me having um there's an air raid going on air raid drill or um attack and they were all like hunkered down and it was all completely fabricated. And the footage that I saw was actual footage of these guys on the set. And there are people that I know alive that recall seeing that footage on TV. So knowing that the news media is just an outlet for somebody else's opportunistic, predatory uh, behaviors, whatever those may be, things we'll never really be able to guess at. I Once you realize that, I don't know how you'd ever ever think of media as anything else. And I think where a lot of people are pissed is that they finally felt like companies like Facebook and Twitter were on their side and allowing them to get to the truth. And now when they feel like they finally have a voice and they go to express truth, they're shut down and they're told that they're hateful people or that they're um, insightful or whatever it is. And they're silenced. And as a person who gets sweaty just thinking about a traffic stop while I'm driving along, thoughts about being silenced being caged up, those things, those things really, really stoke my fires for liberty. I, I get really impassioned about that stuff. It makes me want to want to be an activist and and be out there and tell people you have to wake up and pay more attention. Um, you're being led around by the nose and you're not asking really good questions. And frankly, I'm on I'm on Twitter. That I contacted you via Twitter, but we had a really good like we had an opportunity for an authentic conversation. I didn't tweet something 
and you, because you follow me and I don't know you, you decided you were going to take life advice from me. And, um, and likewise, I wasn't, so we had that as an opportunity, but there are other people who, uh, are in a position where they're trying to meet someone, like they're trying to make that initial connection. I already knew who you were, but maybe I didn't. And I'm trying to find someone like you because I'm looking for like-minded individuals. Mm -hmm. And when my stuff gets, um, shadow banned or straight up banned, overtly banned, I don't have that voice anymore. To me, it feels like, or to people, it might feel like a loss, like they're being deprived of something. But the fact is, if poverty is the natural state of man, then all this technological stuff is extra anyway. And um, it might feel like somebody owes you a platform to stand on and reach millions. But the fact is, those are privately held interests that somebody cobbled that shit together. And if you think that they're going to provide it to you free of charge with no rules, and that someone's not going to step in and intervene later, then that's really uh, that's really a positive outlook, but it's not a realistic one. And I don't want to be a pessimist. I try to be a realist. And what I see around me is that Twitter and Facebook and many others, they're chasing that dollar. And that dollar is either paid directly in dollars through advertisement or it's paid through the potential for advertisement and it's paid through attention spans. And either way you look at it, you can't read 100% of the content that's put on there, so it's got to be divvied up somehow. I've been on channel uh, minds.com for a long time. They didn't filter anything. And if you followed more than like 20 people and they posted regularly, there's no way you're going to keep up with the content. There's no way, right? Like the human being doesn't live long enough to cover that many people's content. So the algorithms come in. You know, they got to keep your attention somehow. This is a really long, drawn-out answer um, for what basically amounts to when you start playing games with huge amounts of money or huge amounts of attention span or huge amounts of time, there's, there's going to be bastardy. The, the state, the state, whatever that looks like, whoever's, whoever the state is, because the state can be in religion. The state can be in family. The state can be in government. It's just the state, right? Cult. Collectivism sucks. Yeah. No matter how you slice it. Uh, media just, it speaks to collectives. So I don't know how it could be anything other than an influential type of machine. And then that, leaves me wondering who's in charge and it's it comes back to govern the government concept you know if people are evil then then we need to be really specific about who we listen to right you can't just listen to like the brand new news anchor who's that guy and then if he's not reading his own thoughts he's just reading somebody else's thoughts who's writing for him who's that guy right and if that guy is a sub for the week because the other dude was out sick who's that guy <laughs> right you don't you don't know these people you don't know what their agenda is. They all presumably have lives, but we wouldn't even have like a need for a democracy if everybody felt the same way about shit. There wouldn't be a need for, for government if everybody was cookie cutter the same. We have to like really celebrate diversity by acknowledging the fact that there's no way to hold everybody together in a consensus without some subversion or some influence. And so how do we, so what's the solution for technology and social media platforms? Do you think that we can have like crypto chain, blockchain technology? I believe that I know an insufficient amount regarding blockchain technology to tell you what it can be applied to. But what I've heard through the grapevine is that it can be applied to a wide variety of things. When you just consider the fact that it's a technology for keeping track of handshakes or exchanges and that's all it is it's a ledger but i have to question why anyone would want that in the first place why do you want a record of where you've been that just provides a record that somebody else can look at and trace so crypto uh, blockchain technology is supposed to make that more difficult right mm -hmm. so if it's more difficult or impossible if somebody really wants you to keep you from using it then the next step would be to take away 
the medium in which you use it. And most okay. of our country and many parts of the world are powered by uh, utilities that are controlled by the state. And yeah, so, again. Okay. So, right. And so it always comes back to the state. It, ultimately, the state can just whack you off at the knees. So you have to have a plan B. And I think a lot of people's plan B is more reliance upon the state rather than uh, small communities, you know, and like, well, it's not how, that's not how markets work. So markets always fill a need. And usually the need is to get around the state. Um, we all know that we're all economics nerds. So what do you think you guys, like, what do you think the future is with this kind of the social media right. platform? So I'm going to learn from that unsolved mysteries where they have that cliffhanger before they get to commercial and then come back. I'm going <laughs> to cliffhanger everyone into pay us money on Patreon to get our bonus content to hear Robert and my response to this question, because we are already super long on this episode. Mm -hmm. so we're going to have to cut it here, but uh, we'll be back next week with Mike C on uh, for last of the Mohicans. You have been Raylene, you have been Justin, and you guys have been excellent guests. This is episode 170 of the Actual Anarchy podcast. Uh, Robert, I'll give you the final word. There is no final word, Daniel. We're all going to die. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you, but in the long run, in the long run, we're all, we're all hitting that timeline endpoint at some point. So, so Keynesian. All right. Anyway, thanks everybody. Maximum freedom. Chipmunks. C H I P M U N K. We're the chipmunks. Guaranteed to brighten your day. Do 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 do. days of the internet, radical libertarians were scattered, lonely, and faceless. Without direction, they resigned to scour the web, sifting through content providers in a wasteland plagued by YouTube demonetization, Facebook jail, and covert internet censorship. But then, in 2017, the Libertarian Union was formed. Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers, all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com.